Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors. We have in studio with us once more Patrick Blennerhassett from our BIV newsroom. Even though we tease you gently, you keep coming back and we love it. I, I enjoy. Maybe I enjoy it. A masochist a little I, bit. I, I think that's probably the right. <laughs> I was trying to think who I was. Am I the uh, Ringo star to the John Lennon and Paul McCartney to you guys? The the third wheel or no? You're more like the uh, Pete Best. The, you're the fifth Beatle. You're... <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Yoko oh, Ono. Yoko. <laughs> oh, that's I'll take Pete Best over Yoko Ono. You okay. know what? It's good to have you here. We'll All leave right. it at that. We appreciate your insights. And where we left off uh, Tuesday, we're talking about the big news. It was going to be um, economically this week in Canada. We had the Bank of Canada update, rate holding pat, and then the fiscal update as well. Yeah. Anything big coming out of, say, Bank of Canada, Haley? No. No. <laughs> Which I think people wanted and appreciate yeah. to a large extent. All the Canadian dollar, it's gone down to like a three-month low at this point. So all those gains that we saw over the summer, they've kind of been erased. But uh, that, that's one thing worthy of a note here. Uh, anything else catching your eye so far with regards to business news, though? I, uh, I well, I will mention too, Bank of Canada moving forward a little bit cautious. Yeah. So we might not see any rate hikes. I don't think it's expected this year, um, but looking to next year, we might see one, we might not, but it's going to be a little more cautious. So no abrupt rate hikes coming anytime soon, at least as far as we can tell. Interestingly, though, um, today we had Canada's national energy regulator, the National Energy Board, release some data uh, showing that Canadians will use less fossil fuel in the future. And for the first time ever, they have these long, decades-long projections. They actually show within this projection a fossil fuel consumption peak, and that's sooner than expected. They're projecting that fossil fuel use in Canada will peak in 2019. Now, Patrick, we've had you on on the radio show before to talk about climate change, commitments, and energy is that surprising? It's very soon. That 2019, that seems like really close. I don't know. We, from a macro standpoint, we've always had this debate about peak oil and when the world will stop consuming as much of it. And they have been forecasting that for decades on a global scale and it has not come. It has actually increased since they've done those calculations. So, Well, let's assume these numbers are, they finally get it right at this point. These numbers are accurate. What do you think it spells for Canada's economy, which is so dependent on the energy sector? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think it would, the good response would be like, let's keep diversifying. Yeah. I think we've done a good job. I mean, BC has obviously shown that you can diversify away from oil and gas. Obviously, Alberta is kind of a, a bit of a warning track in that regard. I don't know. I think it's obviously this is the way things are going. And, and if we want to continue to be a sort of front runner in terms of economic activity, we got to find other ways to pay the bills. Well, Haley, do you think it's almost scary how dependent we are on the energy sector, though, especially when we have these numbers that you're sharing with us? Yeah, I, I think so. And we've talked on the radio show, too, about how our equity market here in Canada, very resource heavy and dependent to a large extent on how that sector performs. And as consumers, yeah, I think we do need to diversify and look forward. Interestingly, though, to that economic, how it's going to impact the economy, the National Energy Board, it sees... Fossil fuel consumption peaking 2019, flattening out, but it says whether it's due to climate action changes like the carbon tax or more technology, over the long run, not going to have a major dent or negative impact on Canada's economy. Now, this, of course, assumes that people take steps to investing in technology and embracing clean tech. 
So we'll see. But there is a way out of this where the economy is not devastated, at least according to the NEB. Okay. I'll, I'll take it down to a bit of a smaller scale, more of a local story here in Vancouver. But we've been looking at this very odd sort of public boardroom battle that's been going on at a fintech pay firma. We have essentially two factions here. We have the CEO founder, Michael Gokturk, and Ryan Holm, CEO of Hootsuite. They're board directors on one side of this debate about whether or not to go forward with exploring a reverse takeover. On the other side, you have the founder of Clearly Contacts, Roger Hardy, and two other board directors. It's just been this huge war of words. I counted the number of press releases that have gone back and forth between the factions, a total of seven and it's wow. even netted a defamation lawsuit against Gok Turk. Uh, the the goal here was is to have a shareholders vote this week and oust the dissenting uh, directors who did not want to go forward with exploring this reverse takeover as the CEO wanted. So at this point, they put it to a vote for shareholders. And we have Roger Hardy, Lance Tracy. He's also known as the founder of Pier One Hosting Networks. Uh, we also have Mark Levy uh, from Osom Ventures. They've all been ousted from this board at this point. So uh, it's fascinating to me in that we never see these things spill out into the public. I'm sure these kind of boardroom battles go on, but not mm. in such a public arena at this point, to the point that it actually gets like a defamation lawsuit. Yeah, that's that's really crazy. I wouldn't say my Gokturk story is, I think it was a couple of years ago, I was covering a one-day conference where they had a group of investors downtown. I think it was at the Pacific Center. And they had local tech companies were pitching uh, inve investment capital firms that came from oil and gas who were looking to disperse out some money. And I just remember you had 15-minute uh, pitches from all these sort of local tech companies. And Gokturk came up. And he was incredibly charismatic. He controlled the room. He got everybody laughing. He made jokes. And he sold pay firma in like five minutes. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to take whatever money, <laughs> Bitcoin that I had at disposal and like throw it into this company. So I think maybe what I'm trying to say is that you have, <clears throat> you know, and then you look at Hootsuite, you have these larger than life kind of personalities. And it's inevitable that maybe it'll spill out and kind of get into the public realm after some, a while. Yeah, some uh, heads will butt yeah. at a certain point. And that's what I think has made this so fascinating is you have people who have quite a bit of experience too on either side of this arguing for what's best well, for the thing, company. I can understand both sides of the argument. Like essentially, uh, Gokturk uh, Holmes and the other uh, board director feel as if the company's reached kind of peak growth. Where can we go from here? They want like kind of a liquidity transaction to mm -hmm. realize you know investment potential for investors. The other directors who are investors, uh, they say no. We still see more potential growth for Pay Firma. Let's not go forward with this speculation over a reverse takeover. I understand where both are coming from. The fact that it turns into this situation where they're actually, you know, very publicly sparring with each other. Yeah. So unusual. It's really not anything I've seen since covering business here in Vancouver. Anytime you have boardroom battles turn into press releases, yeah. you know things have gone really south. Because I want to say that there's this code, there's this unwritten code within a, a boardroom is that you keep those battles and that infighting inside the boardroom and when they spill out and they turn into press releases that means something has like 
really gone wrong. I don't want to misquote anybody. So go to BIV.com. There's actually links to some of the details and the stories in there. You can kind of get a better idea of why, say, a defamation lawsuit has been launched. But it it is a fascinating thing. But I think you're right, Patrick, with regards to that. It's just like we even had a... um, uh, uh, an expert uh, say in, I think the initial story that I wrote is like, how did we get to this point? You know, like yeah. that, that's what he was wondering. I think that's kind of a key question as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can head over to BIV.com for more on that story. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back after this with more news. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604 714 3600. That's 604 714 3600. Or you can check them out online at manningelliot.ca. What else do we have in terms of business news this week? Okay, well, Indochino, it's that menswear that we have, menswear company based here in Vancouver. I think they're known for like, like their online sales, a lot of sales going on all the time over there, just based on my uh, Facebook ads that I get. <laughs> I thought you were going to say based on your purchase order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like tons of suits. <laughs> no, I, I like how, you know, you make purchases through, you know, online and then all of a sudden everybody knows, you know, exactly. I, I, I get people will advertise my specific shoe size as well. Just cause wow. I'm, and I'm just like, oh, wow, you guys have that information through combing through all this Data. But anyway, incredibly scary. I'm not saying Indochino does that, but I'm just saying, uh, w- anyways, I'll, I'll move on. Indochino, uh, they've uh, launched this partnership with Post Media, though. They're, they're going to give, uh, Post Media is going to give Indochino $40 million in free advertising over the next five years. And what they'll be getting back is revenue sharing with Indochino, which is a very different kind of model that we have for kind of partners in this situation where it's going to be in the best interest to promote Indochino as much as they can on post media side if they are in a revenue sharing agreement. Yeah. I, 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 do you guys recall any sort of similar arrangements with regards to like a media company and I don't know, any sort of company like this in Vancouver? Know. Like nothing know. jumps up to me. It kind of sounds like strange bedfellows to me. A little bit, like yeah. You have an online clothing company and a newspaper chain company kind of swapping ads and swapping press and all this stuff. Like it, I don't know. I Part of me, I, I don't want to say this. Well, I guess I, I am going to say this, but <laughs> it seems a little bit of desperation from post media because Indochino is kind of like the hip thing, the sure. young thing, the cool thing, online suits and looking good. So Stop describing me, Patrick. Oh, but. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it does. It seems very strange to me. I remember when I read the article, I was like, what? What's going on here? So It's unusual. I can't think of another example along the lines of this, but I will say to me, it makes a lot of sense for a newspaper company, obviously they have sites online too, to be looking for strong, maybe stable, able to expect and project sources of revenue and looking outside of the media industry to do that. I think it's sort of a sign of the times. It's unusual for sure, but I can see how it makes business sense. Yeah. I bet if you looked at Post Media's readership, it would skew a little bit older. Because I want to say, if I'm thinking of a Post Media outlet, these are more established, older outlets. So maybe, I don't know, I'm totally just running off my mouth here, but maybe Indochino is trying to look at hitting the younger baby boomer, the older millennial 
the Gen Xer that maybe might want to buy a suit online. Yeah. I could be totally wrong here, but when I think of post media, I think of established, um, you know, hard copy newspapers that are still around that, you know, my dad reads. So. But, you know, part of the problem is not as many people are picking up the actual physical copies anymore. They're relying on, say, just online readership. So maybe younger people are going to be, you know, viewing post media online and looking at those online ads that post media is going to be putting forward. I, I should backtrack on something that I, I that just came to me um, with regards to Vancouver companies partnering up with post media. Mogo, which is a financial technology company, they actually uh, partnered up with post media, I think about a year ago, I, I, I might be off by uh, a few months, but uh, kind of a similar situation where you see a lot of Mogo ads on any post media website that you go to. So they're looking at different innovative sorts of revenue models. And I, whether it's a success, whether it's going to change, I don't know, media, who knows? I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what comes out of this, though. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, post media has not done very well over the last few years. They've had their struggles. They've had their struggles. And to me, this kind of smacks of like boardroom you know flailing a little bit what can we do we need to increase revenue you know call up indochino call up the new fintech company let's get the millennials on board right like part of me just thinks that it's like this last ditch effort to kind of keep themselves from becoming the next titanic in terms of the media world so yeah there you go. Well, speaking of sort of younger generations, new advances in technology, of course, Airbnb has been hanging out at Vancouver City Council this week because there's been a public hearing on proposed regulations for short-term rentals. And so many people showed up, more than 100, that they left off, I think, at person 48 and had to postpone until Thursday, which is today, to get through the other half of people coming out to talk about these. We had um, Alex Dagg, public policy director from Airbnb Canada on the radio show, talking about what some of the comments were and feedback. You have people who don't want Airbnb who are in favor of the regulations. You also have a lot of people coming out to say, you know what, I use this to support my mortgage, to help me cover rent, whatever it may be. So clearly it is a matter of debate that has like, gotten a lot of people out to a city council public yeah. hearing. Like, more than 100 people have come out. I don't know. I don't know where you guys fall on Airbnb. Part of me loves it. Whenever I travel, if you're looking for a cheaper place in Seattle or even overseas, you you want to stay in Airbnb. But I've also had now, I've done enough Airbnbs where I've had some bad oh, Airbnb really? experiences. Okay. I don't know if I want to get into them on the podcast, but 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 what was your recourse if you had a bad like was that's, there no, steps no, you Patrick's could take? Saying that he's been punching holes in people's <laughs> walls and I've been know. destroying people's homes. So recourse is used on you, but there. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you can rate them lower, but, you know. Because that's one of the concerns, like, you know, yeah. how Airbnb or the, the homeowner is accountable. But I'm I'm thinking of what would happen if I had a bad experience at a hotel. I would complain to the desk manager and it would get thrown off into the ether and it would never go anywhere. So I want to say that maybe you even have a bit of more power with Airbnb because, you know, I've had bad hotel experiences and I literally haven't even said anything to the front desk because I realized it's nothing's going to change right well, I, so. I, I don't know I, I had a hotel experience uh, just the other week uh, I went down the front desk asked to change rooms and they're like okay there's no problem true yeah so yeah but I, I can't tell you what a pain in the butt it is when you've settled into a hotel room for like two three days and then you have to move all your stuff down the hall yeah 
yeah. to another room for another two days. It's just like, oh, why did I decide to do this? When usually if you gripe enough, they might comp you something like a room or a night or a free meal. Yeah. I don't think you get that with Airbnb. No, probably no. not. Well, you know, I, I'm not experienced enough with Airbnb. But with regards to that, though, I, I think there has to be some sort of – look, I, I don't think Airbnb is going anywhere. But it's also obviously impacting, say, rental vacancies here in Vancouver. So what is the balance that we strike? A lot of people are saying, well, I get I, I'm paying off my mortgage by being able to rent out my place through Airbnb. Other people, they're finding it difficult to just find somewhere to live in Vancouver because of, say, Airbnb. So I know city council is obviously going to have to find some sort of solution to this, but nothing's jumping out to me as like, what, what do you do in this situation? I don't know, guys. Yeah, I know what Vancouver has on the table, Cole's Notes version. You can use Airbnb in your principal residence. You need a business license to do so, and then you can list on Airbnb. Part of that is actually asking Airbnb to monitor and ensure that people who place their homes are using their primary residence and have the business license. So that's interesting, too, the question of whether Airbnb will actually remain accountable to those rules. Um, And to your point, Patrick, too, about not wanting it necessarily in your community, but if you use it abroad, that's someone else's community too. So yeah, it's sort yeah. of this give and take, right? If you want to be able to go to London and have a more affordable place to stay on your travels, you know, that's potentially impacting the rental market there too. I think that this just ties into Vancouver's biggest, most important albatross is housing and affordability. I mean, you know, we saw this the Stats Canada report that came out with, you know, there's more and more renters and there's more and more people that can't afford their mortgages and there's more and more people that are just finding it really, really difficult to find a place to live uh, and, and to get ahead. So, I mean, I think not to get all macro and depressing like I always do, but this is all, this is Vancouver's, um, <clears throat> you know, calling card now is, is housing and affordability. And unless we fix it, it's always going to be here. Well, on that note, I want to thank Patrick Blennerhassett for <laughs> yeah. joining us on the podcast. Today. And just bringing everything down. Sorry. Anyways. <laughs> keeping it real. I'm keeping it real, yeah. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Business in Vancouver's podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. You can find more podcasts over on iTunes. You can give us a rating too, and we appreciate that. And also podcast radio show clips and more business news over at BIV.com. If people want to connect with you, Tyler, where can they go? Go to at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. I'm on Twitter there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I answer emails as well if you've got uh, like a scoop you want to give me. All right. Not mine. I guess I need to give you better scoops. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Patrick, where can people find you? I'm uh, just online. So if you Google my name and my website is myname.com. So that's where all my stuff is. Perfect. And I also respond to email as well as tweets at Twitter at Haley Wooden is my handle if you want to say hi. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next week.